Nice. So now we're back. Uh, we've got some. Yeah, let's. Well, here's the thing. We we were away yesterday. It was a golf day, and uh, that's why we weren't here. And uh, there's going to be a few more of those. There's a couple uh, next week. And at some point, we're going to have to figure out some vacaciones, boys. Yes. Yes, that's a point. Take some time for ourselves. Because it's so arduous <laughs> working three days a week. You know, reconsider and think about things and yeah contemplate ruminate contemplate they say that for you know the first week you need to sort of just <laughs> calm down and take yourself away from the scene and the second week of a vacation that's when you can that's you know, when you really really figure it out especially if you have a grueling three or four day a week schedule yeah where you're where you're required to show up three hours <laughs> it's too much well, we've uh, conditioned the audience, I think, over the past couple of years to the three-day week. So when it's a four-day week and you need a day off, it's a three-day week. But when you've got a three-day week and you need a day off, it's a two-day week. These, uh, this is the way it is. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Gohead. Huh? This I, is just <laughs> the way it is. The, the so. thing is, we still That's the are, structure of the show. We're still producing a four-day-a-week show, even though mm-hmm. this week will not be. And the last couple haven't been. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Less not <laughs> except for except for except for <laughs> exactly. Yeah. By the way, before we we didn't really have the the pre-show meeting part. No, we have no. We've had no meetings. Is there any difference for the the sponsor? No, you're good to go. Here? Okay, and well, let's get her started, my friend. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Studios in Toronto, from our Brampton facility with a pool, and from Lisa's dining room table in Peterborough. And is brought to you by Podog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Air Adventures, EVNet.ca, Architect Outdoor Living, Palma Pasta, and our newest sponsor, Stretch Lab Toronto, helping you improve posture and relaxation and decreasing your stress. And now, here are two men who exchange their fire smoke trading cards in for an indictment Trump card, but are still holding on to their we all are fucked card. Mm. It's Humble and Fred. Yeah. Let's just put a pin in Trump for later, because we got lots of stuff to get to. Larry Fedoric will be our guest today. It's Larry time again. Lots of stuff has transpired since... We were together last, I guess we did a show. Did we do a show Wednesday, I guess? Yeah, that would have been it. Yes. And uh, here we are again. Some great, uh, great to be with everyone. Dan, I hope you're well. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lots of stuff, uh, as I say, to catch up on. Did you uh, receive a lovely, uh, I'm sure you did, a lovely uh, note from the uh, beautiful and extraordinary May May Potts? Yes. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Very classy. Uh, May Potts writes. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. And I'm sure it's the same. Good morning, Howard. I just wanted to say thank you for being part of my special celebrations and therefore making them even more special. Your nice words in the video and being at the Liberty Grand meant a lot to me. Like I said, you and Fred have really been like radio brothers to me. We may not see each other much, but there's always a connection. Love, a may-may. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, very sweet of her to send that along. Yeah, it was a great night. And, and you know, when we did the show Wednesday after the Tuesday night get-together, mm-hmm. you know, I just I, I thought we had a great time, right? Had a fantastic had time. Had a fantastic time. and I really uh, did. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. I enjoyed spending time with you and some radio friends. And I, you know, got out of there, I, I thought, seemingly unscathed. You yes. know, as oftentimes, Dan, is, you know, you've seen it in the old Howard. You know, there was always some kind of controversy brewing. Mm-hmm. I would say something. Someone would say something to me. And I'd be like, ah, yeah, you know. Yeah, sometimes you would actively initiate it. Sometimes. Sure. Um, as opposed to nowadays where it's sort of, uh, you know, by me mistake or not quite thinking before you speak type thing. More innocent. Thank you. This yeah. type of thing. Yes. Yeah. So, Dan, I was there. Fred was uh, mingling. I uh, mingled. I was going to ask you guys the last time we talked about it. I didn't get to it. Did, did you uh, run into anybody that fired you? Because there's a lot of radio people around. Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> that was really our only together kind of awkward moment. We did run into somebody that, well, she didn't fire us. She just didn't renew our. She felt a little awkward. We don't need to say who it was, but. Uh... What did she say to us? Hey, I it's can't me. Even remember her name? What's her name? Yeah, the one you know. <laughs> There's the been so many. Someone from Bell. Why wouldn't someone you from mention Bell. her name? Yeah, Hillary. Isn't it something? Oh, Hillary. Right, yes. Hillary White. Yeah. And her first thought. Yeah. Well, okay. So there, we've said it. We were. We were. Mm. We went over to the uh, cold fries uh, table because it was <laughs> cold French fries. <laughs> cold fries. The cold fry buffet. Yeah. And uh, she saw us, and her first words to us was, Hi, yes, it's me. I ruined your career or something. We're like, like, what? <laughs> she said, Hi, guys. How are you? And I looked at her and I said, Oh, you're the one who fired us. Because I, I looked at her name tag. Right. I don't think we had we. Oh, I think we had met her personally. Once. Yeah, out in Hamilton. But it's true. Like, you know what I mean? Again, she didn't fire us. It was. Another bell thing where they looked and thought, fuck programming, fuck entertainment. Okay, fuck, all, right. You know, all right. Fuck servicing the listener. All right, and calm down. Let's just, <laughs> let's, just, let's just chop this tree down. Okay. So. What? What? <laughs> what? That's what it was. What? what? <laughs> Fucking now I know what doll goes through. All right, just calm down. It's just, it's, a, it's oh, just. Who's talking? Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Christ. Calm down. It's just a commercial. Don't, don't get excited. It's just a commercial. <laughs> anyway, I, I don't remember it that way. I, I remember her saying something. Well, it doesn't fucking matter. That, so that was mm. the only, I would even, and, and it wasn't even that prickly an encounter. No, it was fun, actually. It, yes. I thought it was fun. So, um, anyway, go a couple days later, I get a note from somebody that I met that night. Very nice person. A broadcaster named Sarah Burke. And, and I was going to say, Dan, in the mingling, there were lots of uh, radio people and, and there was lots of uh, some there were some attractive people that I was speaking with. And. Um, Apparently, and I remember saying it, but I didn't think it was that big a deal at the time. And then uh, Sarah, who works in uh, radio, she's a podcaster. She works with Jan Arden. She works at uh, a station here, Indy. Uh, great radio person. 
sends me this clip of her show. And Lonely Boy. It's Sarah here. Uh, We're talking about the weirdest thing that strangers have said to us or someone you've met for the first time. I asked you to text me if you've got a weird one. 416-588-0881. Nate says... So that's her bit, right? Mm -hmm. Weird things that people have said to her or people have said to other people and it's doing this bit, right? You you got Mm -hmm. it so far? And then she talks about an encounter that she's had. Should do a radio show, Nate. Okay, so here's the weird thing that happened to me earlier this week. Uh, Howard Glassman, you remember Humble and Fred, who used to be on the air here in Toronto for years and years and years. So I met him at uh, a radio event celebrating the Rosalie Award, named after Rosalie Tremblay. It's awarded to uh, a trailblazing woman in the broadcasting industry. And Mae Potts, who you probably also know from the Toronto Airwaves, uh, had the honor this year. And uh, Howard is a friend of Mae's, so he was in the room that night. And we're going on and talking and going through our mutual industry pals, and out of nowhere, he's like, <laughs> look at those... Okay, it wasn't out of nowhere, but anyway. ...things. You have very nice toes. I was wearing sandals. Mm. I was like... That's all I said was, I said, oh, look at them. Because what happened was, he was wearing a long... I don't know, pants, skirty thing down to her feet. And then she moved and went, oh, look at those. You have very, very nice toes. Okay, dude. Nice to meet you. And then I was like self-conscious about my toes and my feet for the rest of the night. And then my mind went to like, is this guy someone who has a foot fetish? Just a very weird thing to say to someone that you first met. Keep them coming. Send me a... So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you do. Is it a fetish? That's, Is it a fetish? Well, I don't okay. know if it's a fetish. So, so that same night. Yes. We're sitting there watching the presentation. Oh, that's and right. That, <laughs> and that young girl who is the MC or whatever, very excitable. Very yes, excited. very, very excited. Um, you leaned into me and you said, oh, she's very excited about this or something. Yeah, we were joking about how enthusiastic she was. But you said, I don't care. She has nice feet. I did say that. Yes. And I looked down and to me, they just look like feet. Well, you, don't you know, notice. You, you don't know what to appreciate. I, I don't actually. Uh, uh, it's something that I, I don't know. It's, it's not it's not something I sort of uh, look for, go to speak the way you do. So, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Some guys are bum men. Guys, some guys are boob men. <laughs> some guys like the whole, whole Some thing. guys like the whole thing. And part of your package is... <laughs> so, so, I get this clip from Sarah. And I get I, the email I get is, hey, you were a subject of the show. Dan, what about you and feet? Are you, do you like feet? I'm saying with Fred. I, one way or the other, couldn't care less. Well, so what are you saying? If you see a beautiful woman and she's got, like, funky toes, you're, you're fine with that? Well, no, I mean, you know, there, there's a... Th- Big hammer I, toes and hair, you know... Bunions and stuff bunions, like that. Yeah, yeah, there's ugly feet, okay, I okay. suppose. But generally well, speaking, it's not something I look for. Well, well, listen, we know your proclivity. They have to be a certain size or you want them shipped off the continent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the thing. It's the type of thing that would come later. You would, I don't know, see an attractive woman and it would be some time before you would work your way down there and go, oh, she's beautiful, but why doesn't she look after her feet? But so, I would I would say that most women that are you know care about their presentation would their feet would be part of it. I, I even go one third. I've I've almost it's almost phenomenon a phenomenon to me that very attractive women often have very attractive feet. Anyway, uh, I did say that, and uh, I felt uh, bad. 
because I thought, okay, you know, I don't want to come off some fucking creepy old dude, which I probably did. But anyway, I, I sent her a note and she wrote back to me saying, I am 100% not offended. I was just having fun. She was just, you know, using me as part of the bit. And I said, well, guess what? You're going to be, I'm going to be using you as part of the bit as well. It just won't be over in 90 seconds. Well, and I don't think that really counts. Um, as far as, you know, we've been talking over the past couple of months about situations where we've said something and regretted it. I don't think there's really any regret there on your part. You know what I mean? Well, that's regret- a fun little thing. Although nowadays you have to watch. That's it. See, yeah, I don't regret saying it because it's true. And, and I thought she was very attractive. Uh, you know, obviously not in my age category, but yeah, I'm, you know, I'm just being flirty or whatever, joking around. And but uh, just the nowadays part that you have to be. A little bit careful. You know, I mean, hey, nice boobs are, oh, you've got a nice bum. Totally inappropriate. But as I say, as things have evolved over the past couple of years, could feet now be part of that? Any part of a woman's body is something that you shouldn't comment on in a, in a, uh, in public or whatever. Is he curious to bring that up? Because I was thinking about this and I thought part of our discussion should be this. Why are certain, obviously, certain uh, parts of anyone's body, if you complimented them on, it would be creepy or inappropriate. But if I just said you have nice ears or you have nice eyes or you, you have nice, you know what I mean? Like, are, are there smile, smile, smile is, that, is that in play? Well, I, I, I think so. And again, the other ones are sort of sexual. Exactly. Things. And, you know, you can't go there, although... You've told me about all those foot job videos you watch. <laughs> um, oh, foot job. So anything that's close to being sexual, <laughs> you can't compliment yeah, on. Like, so fucking, oh, eyes, eyes might job. be eyes might be a problem then, right? Because eyes are often part of a sensual. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. I, I, like you know, if I just said, "Man, you've mm-hmm. got some hot elbows." Yeah. Anyway, as you can tell, very fine broadcaster, though, working in Toronto. And uh, she's got a great podcast that she co-hosts with Jan Arden, Sarah Burke. Uh, Would I have check met her, her that night? Yeah, I think so. Huh. Uh, we've got a lot to get through. Dan Duran's news will be on our program today. We're also going to talk about decking and getting you into a, a new backyard experience. And as I mentioned, Larry Fedorik will be here. First, Freddie, let's catch up on some business. Well, let me tell you about the Chambers Plan, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. I was telling you last week, the well, they're very progressive and they add product all the time. And uh, on certain levels, you get certain products. And what they've done lately is uh, the mental health aspect of it. It's just amazing. Uh, there's one aspect where you can go in and actually converse with somebody uh, and tell them about your problems, and then they will direct you to the appropriate doctor or facility. Uh, there's another one where it's an actual, in real time, you can text with someone uh, regarding mel- mental health issues. So, again, it's almost instant. It's there for you to, uh, to get some help if you need it now. Again, it's the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan. Go to chamberplan.ca, uh, get a free quote, find out all about it, and uh, you'll find that you're a small business. It is doable, and they've done a great job of holding the line on uh, on premiums over the past few years, which is very important. Uh, chamberplan.ca. 
evnet.ca, Electric Vehicle Network, 1-800-387-9391. Learn, drive, love, electric. Canada's multi-brand electric car dealer. Rent or buy used EVs. You know, I don't care. You know, it's been an education for me and a, a lot of people. I was talking to Ian Service uh, from Credible Goat. He runs our server, and he's saying, hey, he's going to try this out. And I said, you know, it really is an interesting way to go about getting into a different car. And if you're ready, this is an incredible driving experience because the traditional model is you go into a dealer and they let you take it for a half hour, and then you're supposed to make a decision. You can book it for a day, a weekend, or a week. Explore their range of multi-brand electric cars in only a few clicks. You can do this all online, by the way. Find the best fit for you while you compare and contrast everyday great prices. Uh, Battery ranges, options, it's all there. They say, let's drive change together. Built on the values of integrity and dedicated to customer service. Electric Vehicle Network uh, strives to be Canada's leading multi-brand used electric car dealership. And they do a great job at evnet.ca. Once again, the number is 1-800-387-9391. Uh, I got a lot of messages on Sunday, a lot of emails from uh, people wondering about uh, my reaction to uh, the Canadian Open. Let me just start by saying, in 1967, the Toronto Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup for the last time. Uh, It was uh, 13 years before that, that a Canadian last won the Canadian Open. And at that, it was a, a person, a British guy named Pat Fletcher, who became a Canadian citizen. Oh, okay. Right. In, in the 115-year history, I think this is only the second Canadian-born Canadian to win the Canadian Open. But I'll just, I'm going to throw it to you in a second, because, you know, you said something, you were watching, uh, it was a week ago, you were watching something. And you said it gave you chills or, you know, it was a sport. God, I can't remember. Oh, no, it was the World Cup. Was it the World Cup? No, it was the World Hockey Championship. World Hockey so Championship. Only when, when the anthem, when the yeah. anthem played. And the anthem, yeah. That, 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 so that sense of when we're watching Canadians do well, mm-hmm. whatever the sport is, especially hockey, obviously. Right. There's a, sen- there's a special sense of it. And uh, that's how I would start by describing what Sunday was like for me. There's only one other golf experience, Tiger aside, even with Tiger, but there's only one other Canadian golf experience I can compare to for me, and that was Mike Weir winning the 2003 Masters, and then that was a Sunday, and then two days later, they introduced Mike at, at uh, I guess it was the right. ACC at the time. Those moments are sort of, for me, iconic Canadian golf moments, mm-hmm. and Sunday was the... Uh, for I, I guess the best of all time, really. Yeah, it, it really was something. Now, would you? I guess would if he had not been in contention on the last day, would you have watched the tournament? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. No, I I just wasn't sure. Like, oh yeah, um, yeah, um, I would have watched it. I I I, I even though. He, yeah, I mean, like, I didn't, uh, to be honest with you, I didn't think he was going to win. Well, here's my perspective, and maybe a lot like me. I 
I kept looking to see how Rory McIlroy would be. Yeah, Because exactly. I'm conditioned. And I knew Canadians were in contention all weekend on some level, not yep. only him, right? Yep. Um, so I thought, oh, that's interesting. But I th- I'm conditioned to think, oh, they'll just fall out of it. Isn't that awful? But I did. Yeah. But I thought, oh, and then I, I think on the final round, I saw that Royal, uh, uh, Rory McIlroy, at one point, I think, was in within two shots or three shots. Yeah, and then he sort of so, faded. So that was going to be my focus, to see if he could win three in a row. And then all of a sudden, here we come. Like, uh, the Canadian becomes the the story and uh, i like most people i was riveted i probably watched the last nine holes it was it it was it was riveting and, and i thought that you know again i watch a lot of that crew the cbs crew is very familiar to me nance and a bunch of people you don't know but you know i i thought that they really focused on uncharacteristically so because their, their focus before the event began as a production would have been Rory McIlroy going for three in a row. Rory's mm-hmm. sort of the current face of golf, and he's kind of like been a spokesman, especially the last couple of years because of this live PGA merger, etc. And so their, their production meeting when it's okay, you know, Rory this, and then the Canadian is a secondary story. To their credit... When when Nick started to be it become apparent that he was in contention and right from the very beginning, <clears throat> excuse me, they really focused on that. And I thought they did a great job. A little too many references to hockey. Yeah, I, mean, really. I know. Just, like, you just know, drop that. But. Well, those the two people that did that were were sitting. They were I know what you mean. There was two announcers at the 14th hole, which they turned mm-hmm. into a hockey rink. They they mm-hmm. have boards all the way down the side of the fairway. Yeah, they overdid it. But and the two people wearing Leafs and Calgary yeah. sweaters and well, those hey. are the two people I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay, but other than that, yeah, it was fantastic. But what else could they do? That was the story. Yeah. Um, and then same thing when I get into the playoffs. Isn't it funny with Canadians? I'm th- <laughs> especially a couple of times when uh, what's his name? Uh, Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy Fleet would open the door a couple of times and he didn't sort of barge through it. It was like, oh, man. Yeah. It reminded me more like, remember Mike Weir in the Canadian Open against VJ Singh? Same yeah. thing. He could have won it on the heels of the Masters. And the door was open a couple of times and he couldn't take advantage. And I thought, oh, boy, we're not going to have that again, are we? Some 20 years later. Oh, yeah. But he, but uh, that putt was crazy, man. Well, before we get to that, I was the same. Like I, I felt like you, if you you would have recognized me, Charlie happened to be over. We were ha- going to have dinner, and I said we got to wait till this is over. So Charlie had the massage chair going while I couldn't sit mm-hmm. down, and my brothers are texting me, and you know a f- few other people. I, I, here's so here's me throughout the day going things like uh, what did I say. Uh, I, it's ninety percent. It's ninety. I said it's. Oh, I said I've said it's over. Uh, when uh, when when Nick mm-hmm. put it out in regulation, I said, "Well, that's too bad." Uh, Tommy Fleetwood is the new VJ Singh. That's what I said. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah, then yeah, and my yeah. brother goes, "It's not over. It could be a playoff." I said, "It's ninety three percent. Fleetwood makes a four at the last hole because it's the easiest hole in the golf course. It's right. playing under par." I said, "There's there's no way he doesn't birdie that hole." Mm-hmm. And then I wrote back, I was wrong. It's not over yet. I would not have believed it. Because statistically, a guy at his level is going to make four in that hole 19 times out of 20. And in, right. the, and in the playoffs, <laughs> I kept saying to Charlie, like, this was excruciating for me. 
you know, I'm standing up screaming at the TV. It just couldn't have worked out better. But even so, when he had that putt, which is not only statistically more likely to three putt it, it's the longest putt he's made in his career. He's been yeah. out there for a long time. Because you just assume that he's going to drain that in two, and then you're yes. hoping uh, Fleetwood, Fleetwood, right? Yeah. Yeah, is going to miss his putt, which was about 11, 12 feet, because yeah. he had just missed one the, the hole before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to see that thing drop was just was amazing. You know, the difference between this situation and the Vijay Singh one, I would say, back in 2003, it was almost like Vijay was hoping that Weir would beat him. Almost got that feeling. He was apologetic. Like, it was 2004. He was apologetic. Because it was 2004, that, by the way. And he was so, oh, 2004? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought it was the same year no, as the... year after. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, it was almost like, you know, he was well-established then, and he sort of would, wouldn't have minded uh, for uh, for Mike Weir to win that. Where this kid, has, this kid plays mostly in Europe, doesn't he? Nick Taylor? This, no, this Fleetwood guy. Uh, no, he's, he's a European player, but he plays on the PGA Tour. Has he ever won a PGA Tour? He has never won a PGA Tour event, but well, he's won yeah, like six or seven, like six or seven yeah. times in Europe. The thing so about, he was pretty thirsty for it. Absolutely, right? and mm-hmm. and you know the 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 atmosphere there was more like a Ryder Cup or a Presidents Cup because mm-hmm. all of his friends, McElroy, uh, a few other guys mm-hmm. again, you've never all of they all of them, Justin Rose, they were all hanging around watching him in the playoff. But but back to VJ and, and Mike Weir, they were not only not only did VJ want wouldn't have minded, VJ and Mike were president president's cup teammates. Like they were friends. So mm-hmm. it was, and, and if you go back, it was almost like BJ was apologizing for having taken this away, this right. phenomenal moment away from Canadian golf mm-hmm. fans. But, you know, here's this discussion of golf, but I think it trans, in a lot of ways, you know, there's, there's moments in Canadian sports history. You know, there's Sidney Crosby's golden goal. There's Joe Carter. And, and this is going to be in that category now because, I kept saying to Charlie, <laughs> Charlie's funny. I kept saying, everyone in Canada is watching this right now. And she's like, I don't think so. I don't think everyone. I go, no, no. Everybody is always watching this moment, even if you're not into golf. And Charlie just kept rolling her eyes. But, but I just felt like even if you weren't a golf fan, at some point you got wind of the fact that a Canadian was going to do this for the first time in nearly 70 years. I think the weather really helped. For the audience, like especially in southern Ontario, yeah. you know what I mean? It wasn't a very nice day, so there was a lot of people. And I would like to see, because the Blue Jay game ended and there was about nine holes left. Yes. So a lot of people were in front of their television sets and probably flipped over. And then, because honestly, Howard, if it wasn't that competitive down the stretch, I wouldn't have. I probably wouldn't have watched it, right? That's what drew me in. No, I get it. it like the, for most people, you know, the, the the average tour stop, which the Canadian Open unfortunately is, isn't really that compelling. I would have watched it because I watch golf every Sunday afternoon the way some mm-hmm. people watch the NFL game of the week. That's what I do. Sunday between three and six. I don't always watch the I didn't watch almost any of this Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I watched a little on Saturday because Nick Taylor was starting to get into contention. But it was it was one of those things that putt. I think I texted this to you, but I, I texted it to a few people. They'll be replaying that 
It will be, it's, it's considered so far the most exciting moment on the tour this year. But every year that thing is played, they'll be replaying that putt, you know, as long as they play golf in this country. It was huge. Now tell me if uh, the crazy thing happens. And is it the U.S. Open this weekend? Yes. If Nick Taylor won the U.S. Open, what's bigger for a Canadian? This, way bigger. The Canadian Open? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I would say. I, 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 and for all the reasons we're talking about it, you know, like, I'd never seen Canadian fans act the way they did. They were mm-hmm. singing O Canada to him almost constantly. It's certainly at that rink hole that they've set up. Yes. They were doing it for all the Canadians. But think about this. In the middle of the most important round of his life, he has to stop and wait for the fans pardon me, to finish the anthem. Mm-hmm. It was crazy to me. I, I've, never seen any, I've never seen a Canadian crowd act that way because I think there was a sense that, you know, this, I, I mean, history is a bit, but it's, it's sports history. And, and a lot of people will want to say, I, I saw that happen. Oh, without a doubt. Like, that is definitely a great Canadian sports moment. And so freaking dramatic. It wasn't like a tap into winner or anything like that. The way it happened was, what? That's going to go in? <laughs> no, I know. What? Yeah. I, I, like was, I, I was the same way. Like, I jumped off the couch. It yeah. was, it just was so unbelievable. That sort of uphill putt that far away found its way into the hole to win. And to his credit, Tommy Fleetwood, who is a great guy, mm-hmm. really nice kid. You could just see the smile on his face. He's like, you know, what are you, you going to do? And then pandemonium takes over, and it's just chaos on the green. So the, the, the putt is a huge viral moment in golf Twitter and on social media. But it's not even close to the fucking guy tackling Adam Hadwin. Adam Hadwin, born in Moose Job, by the way. Uh, so Adam Hadwin's born in Moose Jaw, grows up in Abbotsford, is best friends with Nick Taylor. And so he's waiting there on the green, but they've all come, they've all finished their rounds. They're wearing jeans and hoodies and they're just young dudes. And he's got a bottle of champagne. He shakes it up. And just as he's about to throw it on his best buddy, he gets CFL tackled by the security guard. Mm-hmm. And that video has gone completely bananas, virus all over the and and Adam's wife, who's pretty funny on Twitter, keeps getting she keeps showing different points of view of him being slammed into the ground. Apparently, apparently he's okay, but yeah, that was weird. I mean, it's nice to think security is that on the ball. That if that had been some weirdo. <laughs> I guess he, he prevented him. It was a little much from, for him. Well, the fact that he was had a bottle of champagne and was blasting it should have been some indication it was a bit different. But because he did, that was part of it, right? He had a bottle of champagne shaking. That's what I'm saying. He was shaking yeah. up the champagne just about yeah. to unleash it. Yeah, I mean, it also goes to show you, like Adam Hadwin's one of the top 100 golfers on planet Earth, and this guy didn't know. First of all, the security guard. Yeah. How did he think Adam, Adam Hadwin got on the green in the first place? You know, it was a bunch of the pros sitting around waiting inside the right. ropes. It's not like he, he wouldn't have had time to come out of the stands, is my point. 
I know, but that's a split-second de- yeah. decision. Wrong and goofy and regrettable. And I wonder what he thinks today. That well, he's sort of a laughing stock. That uh, security guard. Adam's wife said in true Canadian fashion. Adam apologized to the yeah. security guard. It was really sweet. Sorry for conf- confusing sorry. you. <laughs> sorry, sorry, he got confused. Like, but just mm. think about this. He could have been, you know, hurt. He could have broke a collarbone. He could have. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Oh yeah, because he. Because he's playing in the U.S. Open this weekend. Yes. Did you see when he ar- arrived yesterday or they showed his locker? The other guys had put a hard hat in there. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's great. And it was great to see, uh, you know, again, a bunch of Canadian, you know, Bob Weeks was around there. A bunch of sports guys, Lauren Rubenstein, all the guys in Golf Canada. Like, this just goes to show you. When Mike Weir won in 2003, mm-hmm. this kicked off. You know, we always talk about. You know, why do other countries uh, produce athletes in certain sports? Mm-hmm. And what happened in 2003, a lot of young Canadian golfers, men and women, mm-hmm. were inspired by Mike Weir. But also Golf Canada decided on a concerted effort to increase the participation and the high level coaching that other countries were putting behind golf. Right. And. You know, this is like, you know, I've been watching this a long time. These are, this is the most Canadians that have ever all been eligible to play the PGA Tour that I can ever remember. Mm-hmm. This, this was the fourth Canadian winning on the, on the PGA Tour this year. Like, there's some strong presence. You know, Nick Taylor, I think his rankings have gone up. But up till now, he wasn't the highest ranked Canadian on the tour. They're all in the top 100. But mm-hmm. anyway, it was very good. And. You know, it was just one of those things like I, I kind of also started thinking about you because for, not, not that the curse of the, the, the non-Canadian winning is not like the Leafs. It's not like it's an excruciating thing every year. But you kind of start to think, well, will I ever see a Canadian win? Well, now I have like that box is checked for me. So a Canadian win, win the Canadian yeah, Open is what you're saying. Right. OK, so I've yeah. seen that now. Mm hmm. And that's why I kept saying to Charlie, I said, you know, I, I never thought really much about it, but I thought, you know, would it likely happen while I still, you know, I'm on the planet? And then I started thinking about you and, uh, you know, Leaf fans. Well, it's funny because last night, another Canadian sports uh, story, uh, for the first time in their 56-year history, uh, the Denver Nuggets won an NBA title. So yes. that, that lines up with the Leafs. Yeah. And the lead player, the guy through it all, was Jamal Murray, mm. who is a Canadian. And, I mean, even think about that. NBA championship, the best player through the uh, series is a Canadian. Which is just another, you know, tick another one of those boxes. It's like that would have never happened a short time ago. Yeah. But we're producing so many basketball players now; it's bound to happen, and it, it, it has. So, and think well, think of, and that's to, you could tie that directly to the you know the advent of our own you know our first NBA franchise. Yeah, you know it, it's what inspires kids. It's like they mm-hmm. they were talking about you know this Nick Taylor guy who's mid thirties. This is his third yeah. win. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like he's never done this before, but. Think about the kids watching this now, the slap, the golf shot, Johnny's and the slap. You know, think about a 10 or 12 year old boy or girl thinking, wait a second. So that's an option to do that. 
And not to mention, he picks up, what, 1.6-something million dollars for the victory. Not bad. Yeah. It's not the... It's not the kind of money that some of the elevated events get, but he'll make. He's going to make so much money from this away but from the him, golf course. Having, oh, yeah. You said what? It was only his third PGA. His third victory. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, for him. That's huge. Obviously. Oh yeah. One point six. It's good deal. Anyway, there you have it. I was. Uh, it really was something. I was just someone sent me a note. I just want to make sure I got this. Uh, this is from Dave Kilner. Okay. I'm just going to acknowledge this. Uh, I saw that. Yeah. I know Dave. How do you know Dave? He used to be the manager of the Tin Palace Park. Oh, right, right. Okay. Mm -hmm. He says, hi, guys. I was just wondering if Howard noticed when Nick Taylor was doing his warm up uh, waiting for Tommy Fleetwood to finish. They uh, basically don't they took it's interesting what they did is they took him back to, I think, the first tee and they just gave him a, a a bucket of balls. There was an official in a blue suit that was showing Nick something on his cell phone. And what he was showing Nick was the golf broadcast. Mm-hmm. And this official is the same dude who sits right behind the Maple Leafs bench for every home game. He's always tanned up and wearing expensive suits and was wondering if Howard knew who this guy is. Howard does not. Dave Kilner, by the way. Fred knows Dave, but does Fred know who that guy no sitting behind Yeah. Some rich guy. Well, he... You'd have to be rich to have those seats every game. You know what, Dave and Fred? I think mm-hmm. I just I think I just remember reading that it was the chairman of RBC. It oh, was really? somebody oh, like okay. somebody no. No. It was either someone from RBC or someone from Golf Canada, but I think it was RBC guy and uh-huh. he was showing they were he was showing Fleetwood not birdieing the 18th hole. Because if again, back to the original thing of this, if that other guy birdies 18, there is no playoff. Mm-hmm. And it all just lined up for Canada because, as I said, I wrote the whole thing off. Mm-hmm. I've watched enough of this stuff to know a guy at his caliber is going to birdie that hole. And then yes. when he didn't, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. We still have a chance. God damn it. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's just no getting around it. It was a great moment in sports. And, uh, and, and again, on the woman's side, when you think of what Brooke Henderson is doing, you know. Canada's making its mark. If Brooke Henderson, and I'll say this without, I don't, it's going to sound sexist, but it's, actually, it's, it's the absolute truth. If Brooke Henderson was a man on the PGA Tour, she'd be bigger than Mike Weir. She's already, she's won two majors. Mm-hmm. She's arguably the best golfer we have in her sport. Absolutely. She's won more times than anyone but Weir, and she's won more, um, more majors than any Canadian male has ever done. So, well, how many, how many tour victories does Mike Weir have? Eight. Wow. She has. Uh, I think she has eight. Could be more now. Uh, but yeah. Well, there you have it. There's another episode of We Did Good. Canadians are great. Nah. Uh, uh. No. Yeah. It. Uh, that moment. It was just. And and again, I, I'm repeating myself, but. It wasn't a tap in to win it, or it wasn't the other guy missing a putt. Right. It was a 72-foot putt, sort of uphill, that went in. That just added to the drama. Like, almost unbelievable. Well, that's right. If, if uh, you know, listen, I would have taken the victory however it happened. Same here. And But if it was like a six-foot putt and the other guy missed or whatever it was, it would mm-hmm. be it would be phenomenal. 
that just half in would not get the play that no. this putt is going to get over the next few years. Um, we're going to get to Larry. Larry Fedorik is coming to our town. But uh, first, Freddie, let's uh, talk about this phenomenal uh, group of people. Tim Niblett is a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Tim will be by tomorrow and we'll ask the question, what does your retirement look like? Uh, he said, you know, age, lifestyle, coordination, expectations, uh, you know, uh, family, travel, all those things. You know, you've got to figure out when I retire, this is what I want to do. And then the plan starts right down to where you want to live. All right, so tomorrow that will be the profile of uh, the Sherpa's visit. The retirementsherpa.ca. On a Sunday, I take advantage of uh, stretchlab.com. We want you to as well. It really is um, <clears throat> something different. It's not like going to a Cairo or a physio. There's one reason, uh, I should say, there's not one reason people find themselves at Stretch Lab. Some people are looking to improve their sports performance. Some are looking to decrease joint pain. Others simply want a great stretch. No matter what brings you, the benefits of a professional assisted stretching routine are tremendous. From reducing stress to improving your posture to uh, increasing a range of motion and flexibility, give it a try. First timers, for $59, you can get an assessment and a 50-minute stretch. Stretchlab.com. Go give it a shot. I can tell you, uh, with all the golf I play, I really look forward to that once-a-week stretch because uh, that lower back gets a little tight, my friends. If you're the same, go to Stretchlab, uh, Stretchlab.com and remove, 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 reduce your muscle and joint pain. Maybe I won't send this read to the client. It's going so well. <laughs> Larry Fedoric right now is all Larry Fedoric right now is like this is such an unprofessional podcast. He's like he seriously, I can see him. He's like I don't know. He's basically slumming by being on our program because I am the perfect announcer. <clears throat> you are. You're very good. Have you? Um, am I wrong here, Larry? Is there an? You're still doing your your podcast. You, you you've done two. Is this the third one you're doing? This is, uh, no, this is the second. And the second one is called? Later That Same Life. Right. And this latest episode is called Are We Dumber? Okay, fine. Because I got mixed right. up in the notes. Later That Same Life host and uh, multi-podcast award-winning, nominated and one-winning superstar of podcasting. Please say hi to Larry Fedorik. Hey, everybody. Hey, Humble. Hey, Fred. Hey, Larry. Larry, did you hear us talking about the Canadian Open? Are you aware that a Canadian won? So I'm glued to the television watching the open as I was last year. And because uh, it was just up the street from me at St. George's last year. That's right. And uh, I was dealing with all the traffic hassle. But that's not why I was watching. But so as as Nick Taylor and the, interesting, because to me, Nick Taylor is in the clubhouse. He's not a, he's not the final group. So this guy has a lead or a tie, I guess a tie at that point, and he's got to sit in the clubhouse for, uh, what is it, two or three more pairings to come through? Maybe a couple, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, yeah, he sat around watching it. That's just got to be incredible. And then and then you got to go out, as you mentioned, he's got to go out and warm, when he realizes, hey, I may be in a playoff here, I should, I got to warm up, I got to get back into this, my day's not over. Uh, but the, I, I wanted to mention, on the putt, so I'm watching the, the putt, it's, it's incredible, it's 
what a finish. And the next day, I have, as I'm working, I got the news on and stuff as I always kind of have it on. And every time the golf story comes around in the cycle, I stop and I watch it. And I watch <laughs> yeah, yeah. it again and again and again. And I watch that putt, 72 feet. And then somebody else says it was actually 72 feet, six inches. And by the early afternoon, I turned to watch it for like the 10th time. And the CBC announcer comes on and says, Nick Taylor won the Canadian Open with an eagle 22-meter putt. <laughs> I was like, okay. All right, CBC. On. Dial it down. 22 meters. Like, uh, Anyway. It's in yeah. sport there's no there's no metric system in sports that's right you know, baseball football golf it's still yards and inches and a game of inches and so on so 22 meter putt though it's so. a game of centimeters the, uh, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> all the spin on it yesterday i think on tsn i saw quickly they were out in london where his putting coach is and i don't even know is the guy's name and they're asking him all qu- sorts of questions about, you know, Nick working on his putting. And it was fascinating to watch. Right, right. Um, uh, but I, <laughs> it was, uh, uh, you know, every angle you could think of yeah. of what happened on Sunday was covered. I remember Lee Trevino. I think it was Lee Trevino who used to have a line mm-hmm. that said that if you if you get it close, you're good. If you get it in, you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> and And I always kind of understood what he meant by that but it's just but when you get it in you are good it's it's just no what he means is at 70 mm-hmm. listen you know I'm, I'm the i'm such a nerd i know that there's i know the demarcation point on the pga tour when they're as likely to three putt it as they are to sink it right and it's 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 at 72 feet in a typical tour event, they're more likely to three putt it than to sink it. You well, know, three, eh? Wow. Pardon me. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm surprised you say three, but it makes sense at 72 feet because I'm thinking in that situation, no brainer. He's going to drop that no. too because yeah, it's not a no brainer. So far, you can't be that sort of. And, fine. and to Larry's point, yeah. at 72 feet, you're basically it's they 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 talk about it a 10 percent rule. It's if you're over 40 feet, you're just trying to get it within 10 percent of the of the putt. So if he'd mm-hmm. hit that to five or six feet, he would have mm-hmm. been very happy. Right. To hit it to a tap in, you know, that would have been phenomenal. But as you say, the point mm-hmm. to be lucky, I mean, it's completely lucky. Mm-hmm. I mean, pace, line, all that stuff has to line up, but it's more likely that if that was just, you know, the fifteenth uh, hole on Friday, he'd be as likely to, to three putt that as he would to sink it. Yeah, yeah. But he talked about, you know, and this is where the luck, as opposed to being good, uh, they he talked about. I mean, his caddy is a pretty good golfer, and yeah. uh, and they talked about learning uh, about the slope from a previous putt. Yeah, and how the, it had started to drizzle a bit and how it was going to be a little bit slower down the slope. So don't assume that the slope is going to give you that much speed and all this in your brain. Uh, like with any sport, when you get into the finer points and all everything that goes on uh, behind the, you know, your eyes, it's fascinating to me. Yeah. Fascinating. How quick, well, again, you know, it's like, it's like when a, you see a, a guy hit a fadeaway uh, jump shot in, in basketball, how quickly they triangulate in space the arc of the ball, the energy needed to, to do it, and it seems impossible. But in this particular case, he could go back there he, and give anybody that putt, but he in particular could go back there, and he ain't sinking it more than one out of 100 times. Yeah, that's probably he, true. He, 
even uh, this thing I saw yesterday with the putting coach, he showed how he changed his grip or the way he right. holds the club. when, he, And it's like, I found that fascinating because it looks so awkward to me, so weird that, but it's all part of. Listen, speaking, speaking of awkward and weird, let's get on to uh, Larry's uh, sure. segment. Uh, Larry, I, I'm going to go through this in order because I, I want to get to this part. Are you are you in a movie now? Are you, yes. <laughs> what? Please yes. take us through this phenomenon. Uh, Larry's <laughs> in a movie, part of a film festival at the Brighton Rocks Festival in England. Take us to the beginning. What is this all about, Lawrence? This this is uh, probably the, one of the coolest things I've ever done, and the most fun I've ever had is shooting this movie. So. Socially, uh, years ago, I run into this guy. We kind of become friends, see him occasionally. He's like this creative dude is like a singer and a songwriter. And he, he was, he was part of Second City for a while. He's an actor. He just, this is his whole life. Right. And, and we're talking about, so he's an interesting guy. So we, we, you know, being somewhat in the creative field, at least <clears throat> on the edges of it, I, I found him interesting. We we're talking, we become friends. He goes, I'm also an independent filmmaker. A friend of mine and I have been working on this movie for a couple of years. And, uh, we were talking the other day and there's a part in it you'd be perfect for. Hmm. Uh, you know, we don't really pay. We just get our friends to come along and it's, you know, we'll cover some expenses and things. And would you be interested in, and I'm like, yeah, man, that'd be, that'd be a uh, fun. And another, th- like three years go by where it's like, I thought, I thought they forgot about it or gave it up or, or gave up on it or whatever. And then one day he says to me, he goes, uh, by the way, we're, we're probably going to shoot your scenes, your character this summer. Are you still interested? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I have a I I have a job at the time, but I get a week's vacation in August. Uh, we draw like he these are in, indie filmmakers and actors and musicians. Like they had to borrow a car to drive up <laughs> yeah. to to Sudbury, where he's originally from, and he's got a friend up there who's who's done really well on Bay Street, and his friend has a mansion and a Maserati. And uh, like grounds, like this huge place, and that's going to be Sudbury. my characters. Was that in Sudbury? In Sudbury, right? Okay, worth worth well over a hundred thousand dollars. It's going to say it's a mansion in Sud. You can Sudbury, have all yeah. of this and the Maser- used Maserati. That's all we talk about is like you know he couldn't afford this place in Toronto, and I'm like, yeah, I, I get it, I get it, but it's a beautiful place, and um, and uh, it's got its own. Um, Par three uh, golf hole. Nice. That's the place. And uh, anyway, we go up there and that's going to be my character's mansion. And for four days, we shoot my scenes and the and then they edit. And you understand these are indie filmmakers. So if they need to do some post-production, they have to go get jobs, save the money so that they can afford the studio time to do some post and then they can shoot another scene and then they can it's it's a it's a field you have to be dedicated and in, and I just admire the hell out of that so i was happy to help out and it and it was so fun and uh he had some friends up there who were also film people so like the crew was professional it was cool and um they've been trying to get this movie into a film festival and they got accepted this year to Brighton rocks. Wow. In, in England. It's so it's the, it's the world premiere of the movie called start stop. And I'm in it now. Wow. If, if and I'm, it's a pretty big part 
and uh, I'm not an actor, but I, 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 for some reason, they like me for this part. And the part is um, a sleazy entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so somehow I really? look right. Um, and Start Stop, now don't go through your, your CFNY memory, because starts it's fictional. Start Stop was the greatest punk band that ever was. And footage, it's, so it's fast forward to modern days, and footage of them exists. And I, my character, decides, gets his hand on the footage, and is going to make a documentary. Wow. About the band. So the, but I get all this money from uh, all these grants from the Canadian government. And then I pocket them because I'm a sleazebag, and I'm also broken in debt. Uh, and I try and do the documentary on the cheap. <laughs> so, Why didn't they get Frank D'Angelo to play that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so here I am. So it's my story, Jim Banfield, the character, uh, trying to do this. And it's also the story of the band. And, and so it's kind of this story within a documentary. So, I have a bunch of questions. Did you have a lot of? Well, no. First of all, I'm just when I heard, I was quickly looking at the notes this morning. I'm like, is, is Larry doing porn? Is that what he's fucking up to? <laughs> so that was, I'm glad it's not because listen, you know, we're all past our porn prime. Yeah. Um, did you have a lot of lines to remember? Like, did you have yeah. like was it? How was that? I always find that it, fascinating. I found it tough because. Um, Although I was I was really encouraged to and I'm not a great improv guy, you know, mm. and as a stand up, we used to do improv nights and I sucked at it. And and I, I took one of those corporate second city things. So I I had the concept of improv and all, you know, never close the door, keep it open, always say yes. Yes. And yes. And yes. And yeah. And I can ad lib, I guess, a little bit. But and I asked him, I said, well, should you know, should you send me a script or lines? And he goes, no, here's the way we're going to do it. So I'd have a scene and he'd tell me, okay, the scene is this. And, and his, the script was on his phone. It it wasn't an actual script, but it it was on his phone and I'd read the lines and then he'd tell me the key points I had to get across. You have to say this and you have to say that guy's name and you have to say that. The rest of it is up to you. Hmm. So kind of like kind of like curb your enthusiasm. That's how they shoot that. Yeah, I and 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 I so I kind of got to absorb what the scene was about a little bit, and then try and act, which was really, <laughs> it was kind of tough, but it was it was okay. And I yeah, had a, I had an assistant that I that I got to abuse abuse as the character. I had a a, a mistress, mm. um, and a mansion and a Maserati, and it was and a, a pool and a hot tub. But it was mm. that's what we did. Because, again, it's one thing to know your lines. It's another thing to know your lines when they say, you know, action, you know, and right. everybody's rolling and everybody's depending on that moment and the money it costs and on and on. So yeah. it was just so fun, though. I just and we shot and it's like movie. They talk about it, but we would we would be like six in the morning till like 11 at night. Wow. And then we'd actually sit in the hot tub and drink till like two in the morning and then shoot again at six in the morning. And by four days, I'm exhausted. But just like, man, that was fun. Yeah. Oh, man, that was D- fun. Did you uh, absorb your character? Did you make people on the set call you Jim Bamfield? Did you <laughs> were you no. al- were you always like, so you, you were having to create this character? Did he did he have a was he like you but different bigger smaller i don't i i no he was me but i guess 
what they saw was the fact that I, I, I'm shocked, but apparently I can be a little condescending. Ah, can you? And, uh, and I don't, uh, what's the, the kind phrase is I don't suffer fools gladly. So sure. I have a, kind of a good, uh, yeah, good luck with that kind of thing. And that's, that's what they wanted. So right. I was kind of that guy. Nice. On that fatigue aspect, I just watched over the weekend still the Michael J. Fox movie. And there's a part in there where they talk about he would do Family Ties all day or Spin City, whatever it was. No, I guess it was Family Ties at the time. And then go right to the set of Back to the Future and then do that till two to, to four in the morning. And I'm thinking... Some of that's got to suffer through fatigue. Like, how really can you do that? So, you know what I mean? So, if you start in the morning and you're all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, by late in the evening, I mean, you've you've got to almost be a different person. Well, yeah, and I was only three or four days, so this was an adventure to me. Yeah. But And and at the very least, Fred, I think what you do is like, okay, I'll get through the day, but tonight at 11, I'm not going to have martinis in the hot tub. I'm going right to bed. (laughs) That's right. Oh, no. That's a good day. Once again, the uh, the movie is called Start Stop. Start Stop. And uh, have you seen a cut of it yet? I have not seen a full cut of it. We would watch the uh, the dailies right uh, up at the uh, up at the mansion, and then uh, I've I've since been sent a couple of. completed scenes completely cut but and i've seen other people's scenes as well because they use a lot of their friends sure so the band uh was from the 70s so they interviewed the people uh today that were part of that scene from the 70s so they again used some of their friends and things uh to talk about uh, uh as older people to talk about what it was like back then i've seen some of those scenes but the whole thing but back to no. you but so seeing yourself and we're going to get on to something else in a second here but seeing yourself in the the context of a movie scene how did it hit you i'm terrible <laughs> come That's on the first yeah. the first thing that hit me was like oh my god they're gonna and I even said to them at one point, you know, if none of this works, don't feel bad. Like, just tell me. Like, I've started to really love you guys and love your project. I don't want to ruin it for you. Mm-hmm. Like, if if this didn't work out the way you thought of it, just cut me. I had fun. No offense taken. And uh, they the reviews were good. They said people were laughing. So I was like, okay, I thought I sucked, but okay. Yeah, yeah you're always so self-critical yeah, hard. in situations like that. Even the CFNY documentary that Howard and I are going to be a part of, I'm not in a big hurry to see it because I know when our part comes on, it'll be like, oh Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, you know, I've What's I've done a, I'm the same. You know, I've done a lot of you know hosting TV stuff and uh, find myself repulsive. <laughs> can I, out of the blue, can I ask you something, Howard? Mm. Yes, sir. I thought I was I was going to uh, text you or email you, and then I forgot. What was the show you hosted on Global? It was kind of an early roundtable talk show. Uh, so Larry, well, no, um, what's his name? Murray McLaughlin, right, was hosting a television show for Global, right, and uh, they got rid of him, or he'd quit, and they only had about two weeks left of the series, and they got me to come in. And it was it was like my talk show dream. And uh, for the life of me, I can't remember the name of it. OK, sorry, man. I but it was kind of like Canada's. No, no. It's, but I, I, I do remember it being 
I was really, really hoping they would continue uh, because it was kind of like a Bill Maher kind of vibe. I got to be yeah. do a little bit of a monologue and I got to sit down and do roundtable discussions with people, kind of like this podcast. And and uh, it wasn't it wasn't that I got canceled. It was the show just never got picked up. Mm-hmm. But uh, what year would that have been? <laughs> I'm Were we working to, together then? Maybe not. Maybe oh, after. Okay. Maybe, I, yeah. I have a timeline on it because I, I think I did the show once with Murray McLaughlin. I know I did. Yes. And I think I did it once with you. And what I liked about you, what you added to it was that you did a monologue. Right. Whereas I don't think McLaughlin did. It was just like, here's the show and let's chat. Mm-hmm. And you came out first in that tradition and did a monologue and some you know current events kind of humor and then and then i thought it just set the show off really well how i got to hope i I remember i had just been let go at kiss so that would have been 98 really so maybe we were working together freddie um here's the thing i remember this about it that the reason i got to host it is when i was a guest on it the producers kind of were like oh you know i kibitzed around and i was a bit of a you know goofball and whatever and they said i remember the producers pulling me aside after saying you know we're going to have you back. And then when they decided to not renew the show, but they still had some time left, he said, uh, hey, why don't you come in and give it a shot? Um, I love the uh, podcast later that same life. You should, too. Uh, I got confused because I didn't look deeply into the notes. I forgot that that was the title. The uh, latest episode is called Are We Dumber? And I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk about that because... Uh, I'm curious what your angle was, and then maybe we can bat it around a little bit, because I, I believe yeah, we're way dumber. See, I I thought so, too, and I had actually uh, given up uh, on on society or trying to make a difference or do anything. Why why do you bother? Why, why try and save common sense? Why try and talk to people? It's just it doesn't – nothing matters, and what if it did? And, <laughs> yeah, that's fun. like. I saw a guy on on uh, do an interview on television for like two minutes. So I looked him up and I watched an, a university lecture by this guy. And it, it kind of inspired the podcast. And his name is Simon Winchester. Mm. And he's like 80 or something. But he's been a journalist for decades and a writer and a, and a teacher and a professor. And his book is called Knowing What We Know. Uh, the transmission of knowledge from ancient times to modern magic. And he kind of broke it down as to how we first gathered knowledge, how we stored it, and then how we shared it, and what has changed in the time. And wow. in the short version is it gave me some hope. It gave me some hope. In what way? That, well, he he goes through this thing, it goes through a few things, but one of the things I learned from this was it's called the pyramid of knowledge. Excuse me, the pyramid of learning. Pyramid of learning. And at the bottom is data. And then there's information. And then there's knowledge. And at the top is wisdom. Mm. Uh, and what his contention was, and I, I so agreed as I got into it, was that what we have complete, effortless, unlimited access to today is data and information. And we're confusing data and information with knowledge and wisdom. That's the short version of of the angle of the podcast. Where data, uh, if you take the example of a city, data, it's at this latitude and longitude, Mm -hmm. it's this feet above sea level, this is the population, data, means very little, information, 
Well, we've got uh, five professional sports teams. We've got a music scene. We're near a lake. Uh, we have uh, this many ethnic groups. We have mm-hmm. so, and then then the saying is, "Information cooked becomes knowledge." So the more you, the more information you start to get, some of it based on data, you start to get knowledge. You know, you know your city. You know your way around. You know what to do. You know when to do it. You know when not to. Where not to go. You. It's called knowledge, and then knowledge times. Time multiplied by time gives you wisdom. So, uh, does this, any of this make sense? <laughs> no, I, I, I love it actually. Yeah, if because, we're placing too much emphasis on data and information instead of knowledge and wisdom. That's what's getting us into trouble. Right, because everyone has. I get it now. Everyone has access because it would seem that we're smarter because everyone has access to information. But but maybe we don't have the wisdom. You know, I mean, I could play you a bunch of clips from Marjorie Taylor Greene that show we are not smarter. Right. No, but I, I get what you're it's like this Trump indictment uh, indictment right now. Um, there's a lot of people that don't want to. They don't want to they don't want to read it. They, so they're never they're never going to get the knowledge from it. Right. They're just mm. going to get information. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and, and, they're never going to spend the time with it to take that next step to go, well, wait a minute. Yeah, maybe this guy is an asshole, right? They'll never get there. Uh, and I'm not really saying that we aren't dumber or that or that this isn't a problem or that even that there's a way out of it, but that that or, or that we will make our way out of it. I'm saying but there is a way out of it, which is wisdom, knowledge and wisdom. Mm-hmm. And and when I find people like Simon Winchester or or um, others, I guess that. I find I, I did a podcast called Council of Advisors where I, I have like 14, 15 people that I kind of I go to. These are smart thinking people, not that I always agree with, but I just like how they think and what they present. And I'm like, these are the people I want to go to instead mm. of the negative echo chamber coming at right. me every day. But but that that's kind of was my point about, you know, now that I, I get this, this sort of pyramid you talk about, that, you know, the echo chamber or on the surface, you know, we can have any information at our fingertips, you know, at, at lightning speed. But the problem, and, and I, I agree with Fred too, that, you know, you can, you can say there's an indictment Against the former president. That's the uh, information. Mm-hmm. But you're not getting to knowledge and wisdom anymore because you've already, because your personal bias filters out any opportunity to find out what the knowledge and wisdom subsequently is from that information. Yeah. Although, and then it gets to that whole dangerous situation where you do have the knowledge, but you don't want to share it or um, spread it because of ulterior motives. And a hundred percent. That's that's. By the way, no, that's a hundred percent. That's Tucker Carlson mm-hmm. and all those fucking idiots knowing mm-hmm. the election wasn't stolen. They had that knowledge from the information, and they didn't share that. And that's what's right. so corrupt about it. And that's mm-hmm. that's when you get into that pyramid, it all looks beautiful and well, but uh, right. but you enter politics and politics and and uh, the Winchester points out that only 100 years ago, uh, public relations was invented, basically, mm. in, in the 1920s. And he tells a great story about how it was invented. But but it's so when you gather, we gathered information as as like over time. Uh, we, we figured out how to store it, libraries and everything. Uh, we figured out how to share it. And what's changed tremendously is the storage and sharing because now that's easy. Yeah. Uh, but the manipulation of the information started only about a hundred years ago. Uh, well, in 
politics happened before that, but they, it, in a professional sense for a greater monetary outcome, really is only about 100 years old. Okay, well, I'm, I'm still stuck on the fact that you have, a, you have a council of 15 or so people that you go to for... No, and it... If, if I find out that he's on it and I'm not, I'm going to fucking. <laughs> Larry's uh, podcast later that same life. There's so much we could dwell. Dwell. You know, I got like five hours sleep. We could dwell into. Yes. Um, but if you want knowledge and wisdom, Larry's podcast is a great place to start. Are there's still- actually really quick. There's a in University of Chicago has a, a cent and they have a website. They have a YouTube channel with great videos. It's called the Center for Practical Wisdom, where it's just people all around the world. Because allegedly you can't teach wisdom, but they're saying, "Oh, I think we can." Mm. So it just gives me hope that there's people on the case <laughs> that are looking at passing along practical wisdom. To some, you know, because you don't have to necessarily gain it with time. You can get it earlier if you give it a shot. So, whatever. Listen, man, we appreciate you. Uh, we're going to let you go. Uh, it was great. Great appearance, as always. Uh, your latest uh, episode is called The Business of Pride. That's yeah, coming up Thursday, yeah. Coming up Thursday, where Larry looks at the marketing of pride, the backlash, and so forth. You know, we've talked a lot about. The D- Dylan Mulvaney uh, backlash with the fucking Bud Light thing and how ridiculous all that is. I did want to ask you, though, are you still enjoying what you're doing? It sounds like you are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, especially when I find like week to week and that's I'm doing one a week. You guys do several shows a yeah, week. Not that many. No. Two, or three, <laughs> two but, three, four, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, when when I find something that excites me, you know, it's the same thing. When you find a topic that excites you and gives you a little glimmer of hope, those are the those are the best podcasts to write and do. And yeah, so the answer is yes. And uh, will you to do? Are you going to change to another podcast because this is your second one? Are you starting to wind this one down, or will this continue for a while? This one is kind of the daily talk show, kind of later that same life is generic, so I, I can cover. Pride or knowledge. I did one on the Leafs. I did one on AM radio. I did one like it's it's just wide open. So this is probably going to be the one and I'll just different topic every week. Yeah. Are you doing any AM radio fill ins that we can hear you doing? Yes, I actually just did one in um, in Kitchener last week, the home of Jamal Murray. Nice. Mm -hmm. And I'm booked for a week in July. I think I forget the date, but it's first half of July. I'm doing a week well, there. Do us a favor. Let Toronto Mike know, and we'd be happy to mention that uh, you can hear Larry's amazing take on talk radio and his take on uh, the knowledge and wisdom of the day. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thank you, Larry. Larry. Good to see you. Bye. Mm-hmm. Bye for now. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> you know. The marketing of pride, and I, I was just looking for it. We received an email. We'll probably have it on our email show this week. Uh, one of our listeners emailed us a story. Of, uh, they share a cottage with someone, and they went up on the weekend, and they opened the fridge, and the brother-in-law had been there, and usually it's full of Bud Light. And they opened the fridge, and it was full of Bush Light. So as a joke, she said, hey, what's going on with the Bush Light? And he said, well, of course we can't buy Bud Light anymore. Oh, really? Now, this is in Canada, and this guy is a cop. Mm. And just, again, we've talked about it, about it, the way it filters into Canada. So 
No more Bud Light. He's drinking Bush Light. Yeah. He's a police officer. He's the guy that would walk up to your car if you had done something, or he would be the guy that would come to your door, you know, to serve and protect, and he ain't buying Bud Light anymore. Ain't that great? Hmm. Uh, I haven't seen the email yet, so uh, send it to me, and I'll put it in our uh, our email file. I would like to say I'm surprised, but I'm not anymore. Nothing, none of this stuff surprises me. I just, I guess, I'm still holding on to the fact that most people are decent, and most people don't care what other people do. And you know, I, I know we were we were going to sort of table the the Trump stuff but you know it's it's not just the Trump stuff that I find phenomenal it's the people around Trump mm-hmm. that universe of hatred that he's uh, created you know we haven't really done a lot of US politics lately but Marjorie Taylor Greene I'm sure is familiar to most people here she is talking about uh, she was at, literally giving speeches this week one, one of her speeches she talked about how Satan hates women because women can have babies and then like she really was believes in Satan. But mm-hmm. uh, here she is saying trans people. She's saying trans people in bathrooms, which is a big deal, a big issue for them. Mm-hmm. We can't have trans people in the bathrooms. <laughs> anyway, which, again, is just so ridiculous. So but the reason they can't. Here's Major Marjorie Taylor Greene telling us why. Uh, we shouldn't have trans people in bathrooms. Taken away from me when I found out that my school had put multiple. Oh, okay, by so, that's a, a question. Oh, so the, the kid, the little Christian fascist kid, is asking about you know her rights of being having to have trans people in the bathroom. Wow! And everyone's applauding. Jesus. First of all, thank you for when you when you're speaking during your bunch of perverts men who are really a bunch of perverts in your locker room in your bathroom because they listen they want to have sex with you that's why they're in there that's real they're it's not they're not saying oh i identify as a woman and i'm only attracted to men that is a lie these are sexual predators they're sexual predators so there you have it so that's actually a, a, a person in power in that country saying that men who transition to women or identify as females aren't really interested in that. They're just in locker rooms because they're sexual predators. And this whole crowd of little Christian fascists are all just applauding wildly like that's a real thing. Yeah, I know. Well, I was it before the show we were talking. This is it's just absolutely alarming what's going on. I mean, Trump's indicted with that with that document that just we again, the whole thing is you just have to read it. And uh those who love him don't want to read it because of what's in it. And his poll numbers have actually gone up since then. I mean, this this country is heading for something that just a few short years ago, we would have thought could never have ever happened. Like the other night in North Carolina and Georgia, he's up there talking like he's Jesus Christ mm-hmm. to the people, all those religious fucking pinheads. And they're buying it. They're, they're getting sucked in. We Again, you just got to hope that all those people in the middle, this will be enough for them to back off. Um, but you can just see it coming. Like It's like, my goodness, people. Open your eyes. Look where you're headed. Look what you're doing. 
Like, how do you explain that his poll numbers would go I, up? Well, I was just going to say, when I, I heard that, I can't remember if I was listening to CNN or watching it, but mm. I, it doesn't matter. It could have been on any news. But when I heard, I was kind of shocked for a second. I was kind of like, mm-hmm. what? But then the shock wore off. <laughs> it wasn't because it's almost like, well, I'm not really surprised. Like, as you just mentioned, just a few short years ago, when we all thought that maybe this guy was going to be just a normal politician. Listen, I um, spent a little time this weekend watching the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary on Netflix. It's a three-part series, well worth your time. Mm-hmm. And they break it down into three parts, which is one, the bodybuilder, two, the actor, three, the politician. But Arnold Schwarzenegger got in there and say what you want about I'll be back in the weird accent. But he did a phenomenal job as governor of California. He threw himself into the job, absorbed the information. Intelligent guy threw off, you know, used some of the persona that he built up as an actor, but did work, was a normal person. And there was a time we all thought that, oh, okay, like Reagan, like Schwarzenegger, like any of the other celebrities that became politicians, that Trump would be like them somehow. But it's been seven years now since 2015 or eight years now, almost since he came down the escalator. You and I have, and the people, we've never seen anything like this. No, and he's worse than ever now. Um and, and not just him, all the stuff that, that he created, the Jim Jordans, yes. the Marjorie, all the stuff around him, never seen anything like it. It's just the people, like, like if Jim, I've said it before, if Jim Jordan is my father, like, what do I think? This cowardly little creep that's, you know, just echoing the stuff that just isn't true. Like, I mean, you even, you look at that, you know, they're, they're trying to say it's Joe Biden's decision to do this to trump special counsel then it went to a jury a jury a grand jury yeah a grand jury of citizens who decided there was enough there but but again it's that whole information knowledge thing the people that love him they don't want to know that even if they know it they reject it or pretend they didn't hear it they don't want to know that it was a grand jury, which means, you know, it was out of everyone's hands, but fellow citizens. And here and here's the thing. I'm getting back to that phenomenon of mm-hmm. uh, all those people at Fox who knew the election wasn't stolen. Stolen. Jim Jordan's a smart guy. He knows that he's a lawyer. Uh, mm-hmm. Ted Cruz is a smart guy. He knows all this. He's a lawyer. He knows all that. So they have the information, but they don't mm-hmm. want to pass on the knowledge that goes with it. And that's what really, really bugs me is because there are and I've said this a bunch of times. There are people in. In that world, in that hazy, Christian, cultish, MAGA world that know the difference between right and wrong. And as you've said a bunch of times, and I agree, they choose they choose to go against their country because Ted mm-hmm. Cruz knows that in order to get a grand jury to a, that mm-hmm. indictment, he knows it's wrong. He and the knows thing it. is, we, we know what they're doing. They, none of them want to alienate the base. Even Ron DeSantis, it's like, a, you know, it was described last night. He's sitting in the weeds hoping that Trump never gets the opportunity yeah. to be the, you know, the nominee because of his legal problems. So in the meantime, he's just going to play this cozy up to the base. So they're still there when Trump's gone. I mean, even that's slimy. Oh, yeah. And then last night on CNN, Chris Christie is on, and it was like, oh, okay, he's a Republican. That's fine. I mean, 
you can be a Republican, you have a different slant on politics and policy, but he sounded like a normal, decent human being. His ideas may be different. His poli- uh, you know, his policies you may not agree with, but he's not a deranged con man. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And and that's what it is. It's like well, we we know we can do this all day long. You know, it really is. I and mean, by the way, our our chief correspondent Julie Fleming is so <laughs> Julie sends us so much and I keep getting these we both get get these you've you've been gifted an article from the New York Times or the Washington Post and is Julie's on this. Mm-hmm. And uh it's just again, I know it's US politics and we have our own heavens here. But this is beyond U.S. politics. Again, this is kind of like, just do you want to tell your grandkids where you were when all of this was going down? <clears throat> you know, um, Dan Duran is back. I, yeah. uh, this is, is going to be a great palate cleanser. Before we get to that, actually, uh, Frederick, mm. let's, uh, let's do a little business. I think you've got uh, the Bodogs. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, the Bodog, and uh, look at this, ladies and gentlemen, in their uh, sixth year of existence, the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights can win the Stanley Cup tonight. Well, they're minus 180 to win this, what would be game five. They can win it at home in front of their fans. Imagine that. Tonight, uh, the fans of the great hockey fans of Las Vegas. <laughs> the uh, storied franchise. <laughs> will be able to watch their team lift the Stanley Cup because it will probably happen. Yeah, it's minus 180. Florida won uh, plus uh, 155 on this game. Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker, casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry leading odds, world class sportsbook and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book. Yes, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Unearthing value is what uh, Boron One is all about under the banner AaronVentures.com. We've been talking about this uh, company who are supporting your favorite podcast, The Humble and Friend Show. An emerging international junior mining and exploration company uh, looking to get boron out of the ground. They trade under the tickles, tickle, tickle symbol. <laughs> the ticker symbol, uh, boron one. Go check it out. Have your Sherpa or our Sherpa check out this company for you as they really try and commercialize this uh, product that is in every aspect of modern life. So you can only imagine if you're part of that as it increases in value. Well, that would be good, right? AaronVentures.com You know, whenever we uh, talk about U.S. politics or fucking Trump, it's just always going to... I always feel like I need a bath after... Uh, and so I've set up this. I, I I came across a couple things, and I thought, oh, this would be perfect for Fred, and Dan will like him too. These are some great dad jokes. So uh, let me uh, get this thing started. Did you know, Fred, that in Hawaii, you can use this on John too. It's actually illegal to laugh loudly. Did you know that? No, no, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Mm. Why? You have to keep it to aloha. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> you can't laugh loudly. You have to keep it to aloha. Aloha. Sure. See, I can tell. I don't know. I couldn't tell that to John. I'm sure you'd understand the aloha thing, but. 
All right, here's one. And the other one says, that's, well... Maybe I'm, that's for a 12-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's know your one. audience. Yeah. yeah, but it's. I thought, oh, mm. it's, here, it's how juvenile am I that I saw that one. Oh, Fred will love these. Mm. Uh, so these two electric windmills are hanging out together, and one of them looks at the other and says, uh, what kind of music do you like? <laughs> and the other one says, well... I'm a heavy metal fan. <laughs> uh-huh. See, what kind of music do you like, says the big one. He says, I'm a heavy metal fan. Mm-hmm. Thank God you explained mm-hmm. it, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got well. any more? No, that's it. That's all I've said. Oh, that's, all I've, that's, all I've, <laughs> that's all I've kind of uh, accrued. I could right. have done those better. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you workshop it, maybe. Well, I'm it's, tired, it's, Dan. It's, I was up till 11 o'clock last night. I woke up at fucking 5. God damn it. You going to have a nap before no, you go golf again? I can. I no. got to do this golf thing with some clients today. Right. Well, once you get out there, though, you'll be, uh, oh, yeah. you'll be invigorated by, you know, a sunny day as opposed to, you know, uh, being rained on all day yesterday. Yeah, a sunny, cool day today, too. It's going to be like cool about day, 20. Yeah. Are we, uh, is it cooler than normal for this time of the year? Is that what's going on? Oh, probably. I've given up on the weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I bought it. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm wearing pants again today. I, I get cold. I can't, uh, I can't stand yeah, being just, cold. Yeah. Let's face it, you know, it's just, you can't count on it. No, you can, we know who you can count on? This fellow. No. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man, his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man comes, as for credentials, he has none, can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang So he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low Yes, it is Now live from Lisa's house Multi-featured um, commercial actor Anchor movie man Dan Duran, ladies and gentlemen Yes, all my news cred there. AI is sneaking its way into every aspect of our society, even into the spiritual realm. Oh. As an experiment at an annual Lutheran church conference in Germany, by the way, the the country is crawling with Lutherans, Mm. there was an AI church service. That's not the worst Mm. thing about them, by the way. Keep going. (laughs) 98% of the sermon was written and then presented on a big screen TV in a church. A uh, sold-out church. They had to line up for it, as well, uh, by the way. Uh, it was a big tricky TV. With, uh, it was all created by ChatGPT. It was... Uh, uh, it, it chose to lead the service mm. with four different avatars. And the general consensus was, it was okay. Better than they thought it would be. But it lacked heart and soul. Which I guess did it expect, yes. But, you know, AI is just uh, in its infancy right now. So I'm sure those AI church services will come along in the future. Wow. Your dad was a Lutheran minister, was he not? Was a Lutheran minister, yes. Lutherans are pretty good. They're, they're, yeah. they're a good bunch. Yeah, they they're kind not, of broke away from the Catholic Church and nah, said, hey, that's yeah. enough of that, right? Oh, but yeah, so they're, they, they, they aren't on the take. No, 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 that's good. Mm-hmm. Well, my dad wasn't. You know, that's no. what I'm saying. 
Right. Oh, your Lutheran dad was one of the, on the tank. They broke away from the the Catholic Church. Yeah, your dad was yeah, one of the good ones. He's a great yeah. man, great Lutheran one man. One of the good ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was another. Uh, yeah, Doctor uh, Brian Brown was another guy back in the Moose Jaw days. Actually, Brian Brown was a a feature of a of a segment on the Humble and Fred show. Years later, it was the guy that Dan and I worked with in Moose Jaw, and he mm-hmm. was a minister of an Anglican church. One of the smartest people I've ever met. But when we were doing our Chocolate Jesus. Right, uh, danger boy in a cross thing. Uh, he was our he was our religious consultant. Right, uh, yeah. Well, those were the days. Those were the days. <laughs> Did yeah. you say is he still with us or, or is he gone? I have no idea. I'm the you last, have no idea. No. My dad isn't. If that was your dad is not with us. My dad is not with he's, us. Anymore. He's sitting next to Jesus. He's listening to the show. That's right. No doubt. Looking down on us, yeah. Mm-hmm. Looking down from some floating barge, religious nutty barge in the sky. You know, With a uh, cloud floor, cloud yes, floors are next to there, the right? uh, <laughs> next to the Philadelphia cream cheese lady. <laughs> <laughs> Who I also know. Who you also know, you're friends with. Yeah. She must have made a shit ton off that. Linda Cash, eh? Yeah, she was. She did uh, seventeen years doing that. She was yeah. the Philadelphia cream cheese lady for seventeen goddamn years. Yeah. What a run, man! What, what a, a run, what a run! You just yeah. dream of something like that. Every actor does. Wow. Yeah. She's playing Stratford right now. Going to see her. Uh, nice see her Saturday. Now yeah. she was replaced. Now why did they replace uh, Linda Cash as the Philadelphia cream cheese lady? I don't know the actual specific, but it was a new new people came in in marketing, and then they right. decided to go another direction, and you know, they stupids went with recipes or something. I don't know. All right, well, so they, uh, even those guys, you know, for years there was a couple of them over the years that had the Canadian Tire yeah. thing, and I used to think I could be the Canadian Tire guy. I could. I, could I thought you were the Canadian Tire guy. No, I, you know, it's oh, like yeah. you know, they're not good looking. They're you know, they look like guys that do shit around the house, so I could do that. Except you, you go to a Canadian Tire and yell at them, so. Oh, that's true. <laughs> no, you, makes, yeah, I mean. Makes and, me laugh. Yelling for service in yeah. an aisle. <laughs> that was 25 years ago. I grabbed the phone and anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you'd be great if they're looking for aggravated Canadian Tire guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Dan. What do you, you think, uh, Howard? In retrospect, what could you have endorsed? Oh, I'm horrid. In, I can, outside of golf, uh, I don't know. Um, you know. Oh, sorry for putting you on the spot. It doesn't happen very often, but I've drawn a blank. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I've not, I've not slept. All right. I don't know. Psychiatric. You something really hilarious. Sorry. <laughs> You know, I, I'm batting I'm batting six or seven hundred on most days, but mm, okay. How about women's uh, shoes? Psych, women's psych, shoes. Psychiatric, uh, psychi- <laughs> psychiatric Awareness Month. I don't know. Yeah, nail polish. Yeah, yeah you'd have a good with women's shoes. Yeah, look, yeah you that's right. Get to get to see the curvature yeah. and appreciate what <laughs> the woman has to offer <laughs> beyond, beyond right. the leather. Mm-ball. I could have been. Uh, I could have been. I could have been a contender for. Yeah. Ah, the hell man, the hell man's tired. But you know what, Dan? We've got a client now. Do you think right. you could hang around? I'll hang uh, on. And hang on as we... Oh, look yeah. at that fancy pants. Mm. Look at Mr. Oh, wow. Fancy Craig. Last time he was in his car, now he's got a big oh, no. huge office. Oh, I know. Yeah. And now look at... When the first couple of times Craig Keats was on, he was like, had some kind of blurry background. Now he's all like, hey, look at me. 
is that a little left out you guys have these wicked backdrops going so dude I, is that a, i can't tell if that's uh generated or is that real it's a it's a picture of an office i was in once it's cool oh, dude it's uh yeah it looks good thank you this is uh craig keats did you get those notes i sent you freddie yes okay well let's talk to uh, craig keats from architect a r c h a d e c k architect.com and we've been uh, talking about decks for the last uh, little while and craig welcome back to the program is this is this and before we get to the prepare stuff is this like hot and heavy deck season for you guys this is the thick of deck season this is definitely when uh when the magic happens for sure <clears throat> we're busy all year but right now is definitely uh definitely our peak season is it like i have a buddy that does pools and um he always talks about people you know deciding sort of late you know almost too late to get a pool in this summer is there a date like that for like people who do what you do you know it takes us you know it takes a little bit of time to to plan obviously a project like this so you know, give yourself about a month, uh, a month of lead time okay. I think is what you really need to be thinking about. Maybe a little bit more, depending on the size and the complexity of the project. But uh, but yeah, we do get a lot of calls where people are sort of like, I need a new deck. And I was hoping you could come today and start mm. building it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm so, so there is a little bit of that, but a little lead time would help. When you say you're going all year round, are you actually building all year round or is part of that plan yeah, I mean, scheduling it, or? It gets a bit slower for sure in the winter. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are less projects to be done and, and definitely uh, crews don't necessarily want to work outside in the, mm-hmm. you know, the depth of winter. So, so we're pretty slow. Uh, December and January, we're not really starting any jobs. Uh, and even in the spring, we try to push our start, our official start until, until the thaw, until okay. the weather really starts. Right to on. Break. So what are yeah. we, uh, what are we looking at this year? What are some of the current trends that people might be seeing? Is there something, new we can talk about or something people might be aware of you know uh there's a there's a bunch of trends going on i mean we all live such busy lives especially in a city like toronto right i mean we're we're running around and we're we're busy with work and careers and families and you know constantly commuting and dealing with traffic so you know really when it comes to our homes and home improvements we're really just investing in ways to relax you know rest relax rejuvenate and we want to make it more convenient we don't want to have to drive to the gym or drive to the cottage we want to be able to get home and Mm -hmm. chill out relax make our backyards you know more than just more usable just more fun to Mm -hmm. you so i mean some of the trends that we're seeing big this year uh you know we're seeing a lot of demand for covered spaces covered porches covered patios covered decks and it's it's really people want to extend the time that they can use their backyard they you know it's not enough to just sit on the deck in you know may june july but come september october people want to still get outside so we're building some pretty elaborate you know covered porches covered patio areas where you might have a a fireplace in there you might have tvs in there a full living room uh really and it's really a way to get a couple more months out of the back out of the backyard people are building fitness areas in their backyard uh you know full gyms where you know they have it covered and yes somewhat seasonal but uh but they want to be able to use that space a little bit more efficiently um what else are we seeing we're seeing some some demand for pools and water features. I would say the trend is away from uh, classic hot tubs and spas and more towards plunge pools, mm. maybe small format pools. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are seeing that coming back. I think people want to enjoy some water in their backyards. 
Another huge trend that we're seeing is uh, the front of the house. The front of the house, I think, is really related to the real estate market. You know, there's no better way to get that first impression than to improve the curb appeal of your house. So people are investing now in sort of front porches, front stoops, uh, Hmm. porticos, that full garden uh, makeover. We're seeing a lot of that. And I guess another trend that that's taking over or or continuing to take over is really towards the the material technology. You know, traditionally we build decks out of wood. This year, absolutely hands down, most dominant is uh, composite decks. How, how how does that compare in price? I've wondered, like a composite deck to a you know a pressure treated deck. Obviously, when you go composite. I mean, literally no maintenance, which is worth, how do you put a price tag on that? But are composite decks similar, more expensive? What's what's the deal there? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit more expensive for sure to build a mm-hmm. composite deck. Uh, you know, number of benefits, though. You know, number mm-hmm. one, they're, it's just way more durable. Mm-hmm. Uh, this mm-hmm. deck is going to last you 25 to 50 years uh, easily um, if it's built right. The appearance is great. The, uh, the you know the, the maintenance, as you mentioned, though, is huge because there's no maintenance whatsoever with a composite deck. I mean, really, other than maybe sweeping it off or, or mopping it off once a year, mm-hmm. there's nothing else. So from a cost standpoint, it's a little more expensive up front, but this deck's going to last you forever, and there's no maintenance cost. So right. so we would argue that it's actually far more cost. So why why do people still choose wood versus composite? What's the just because they like the the way it looks better, or it's something that I think there's a bit of that. I mean, I think there is a little bit of sort of uh, more traditional thinking that it's just it's the way it's always been. I mean, my dad's deck was wood. I'm yeah. going to have a wood deck. There's a little of that. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the cost effectiveness for sure up front, it's a little bit of a, le- uh, a lower investment point to uh, to get into a wood deck. But um Certainly, if you can if you can take a take a look at it, and if you can if you can uh, afford the price point, the benefits of a composite deck far outweigh uh, the wood deck. So we talked about timing. Go ahead, Freddie. No, no, no. I was just going to say, you know, when it comes to a backyard, size doesn't matter because some great things can be done with small spaces. Um, that's right. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, that's often the, the case is people aren't really using the space that they have. So mm-hmm. it's when we come in, we can sort of see ways that we could get more out of the exact same canvas, if you will. So I was going to say, we right talked on. about timing. We talked about some treatments and uh, some of the trends. Uh, what about some, you know, takeaways? I just see that alliteration, timing, trends, treatments, takeaways for our listeners when it comes to... Uh, you know, what they might be thinking about in terms of a project for their backyard this year with Arca Deck. I, I would say planning is the key. So taking your time, just like we mentioned, take your time, think about it, really think about what you want and, and shop around. Talk to other people, get lots of input, get lots of advice. But I wouldn't be doing my job right if I didn't say the last step. Give us a call at Architect, and we'll have a, a good chat. We'll talk about your space, talk about all the ideas you've, you've gathered, and uh, and talk about how we might be able to put them into play and uh, and make a project that's really going to work for you. Well, I'll tell you what, man. You certainly sound like you know what you're doing because you've got some experience, and that's what people are looking for. Uh, Craig, appreciate your time this morning and appreciate your support of this program. Architect.com. Uh, beautiful work. Thank you, my friend. That was great. Thank you very much, guys. Have a great week. See, I okay, knew you'd pal, enjoy it. I, I, I told you at the beginning of all this that you were going to start to enjoy this these little visits we have. I do. See? Absolutely. See how easy we make it? This is our skill. Thank you, my friend. Take care. See you later, guys.
No, I don't know where Dan went. I think he's gone. You know, uh, you asked me a question there a couple minutes ago, and I got stumped about, you know, what could I be a spokesman for? Mm-hmm. But I've been thinking the last couple of days because I've been listening to a lot of golf uh, radio. I listen to PGA Tour radio on Sirius, and right. yesterday I was watching Sports uh, Center. And um, it's kind of a related thing. It's like, I wish somehow I could have gotten into golf broadcasting. Like, I don't know what my entry point would be because I don't really have an official expertise other than I think as a broadcaster, if I may say. I think I could have been a good golf, because I think I'm a good, because of my knowledge, my golf, my broadcast ability, not this particular time, but because of my broadcast ability, and if I could have found a way in uh, somehow, because uh, as I've said, you know, Bob Weeks, who I admire, has had a great career as a golf broadcaster, but yes. he, he doesn't really come from broadcasting, you know, he's, right. and I look at his, you know, his sphere i you know i watched him on sports center yesterday morning and i watched him obviously on the broadcast and i heard a couple guys from toronto being interviewed on pga tour radio and i'm like you know that is that's a job i would have enjoyed i think if i could have figured well, out a way too in. late oh it's fucking too late why is it too, too late, late? it's too late but can you soft talk like they do that's not what it is dan cliche cliche <laughs> What about you? Can't make a lot of noise when you're on the golf course, though. Don't no, I'm talking talk about low. being in the world of golf broadcasting, interviewing yeah. players, being a commentator. I'm not talking talk- about going on the fourth hole. He's got a three foot putt. That's not what I'm talking about. You rube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you couldn't go off and laugh and do all the things you'd you'd have to sort of chuckle quietly, don't you? I, no, know. it's I'm not. Does he not hear me? See, like what you're doing right now. Does he you not can't hear do that me? In the golf- <laughs> He doesn't listen. I don't want to be a play-by-play guy. Could you explain to him what I'm talking about? He wants to be an analyst. I n- thank you. <laughs> he doesn't want to be, a, you know, a, well, uh, yeah, sometimes he wants to be a stroke-by-stroke guy, but mm. in this case, he wants to be an yes. analyst. As far as uh, who I could be a spokesman for, does you porn have a spokesman? Because I'm pretty sure I could sell the <laughs> shit out of that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I again, I, I, I don't know. I've asked you about you wanting to do play by play or whatever, but yeah, somewhere in the last couple of days, listening to all these guys getting to break down and analyze the golf, I was like, man, I'd love to do that. But I do get my fun, my little golf podcast. I get to kind of nerd out about golf, and uh, that's well, great. I don't know. Well, you know, does anyone need radio anymore? But no. I find it interesting that that show isn't available. Like, all the filler, and not that it would be filler. I'm just talking about Toronto's sports radio stations, all their weekend filler. Maybe, you know, how about, you know, a little less, uh, you know, CBS Sports talking about... uh, American College Basketball all Saturday in Toronto and maybe have a few more local shows on like yours. Well, we had a bit of a run there on, uh, where were we, TSN? In Hamilton for a couple summers, mm-hmm. and then you know somebody took some other dude took over and found you want out me that- to do another rant about um, <laughs> entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing: some guy took oh, over and, and found out it was a part of a show with you, Krabby Joe, and uh, that was the end of it. <laughs> hey, before we leave, Dan Duran uh, and everyone, don't forget that the emails we read a couple this morning. 
Brought to you by Palma Pasta, the title sponsor of our weekly email show. Over 38 years of delivering quality Italian food from fresh pasta to sauces and prepared take-home entrees. Just heat and eat. I went and visited with uh, Anthony on Thursday and picked up some uh, groceries at uh, Palma's Kitchen. <laughs> you know, here's the problem. I, I got to be careful because I, I bought some, uh, so, you know, some, some uh, smoke and uh, salty meat. You know, like uh, prosciutto yes. and stuff. <laughs> I, I just can't stop eating it. <laughs> I took some prosciutto and I wrapped some uh, little cheese balls in it, and I just ate that. <laughs> Oh man! You need a dispenser. (laughs) I need, and it just—you know—it's like it it dispenses it once a day, like a Pez dispenser, but for salty meat. Yeah, it's just too much. You know, people put uh, wrap uh, asparagus in prosciutto yes. and put it on the barbecue. Fantastic. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Try that with the pickled asparagus. Oh. It's very nice. Wow. Uh, four locations, one in Oakville, three in Mississauga, featuring their signature store, Palma's Kitchen, of which I just mentioned. Check it out. Order online at palmapasta.com. Excuse me, but you see back in old Napoli, that's Talking politics tomorrow. Maybe Tony Clement will be able to make sense of it with us. Uh, this is Indictment Tuesday, as Dan said, uh, stated at the beginning of the show. Um... Yeah, man, just hard to believe that we're going to see this guy get charged again and again. Half the country, well, not quite half the country, but some 75 million people will think it's all fake and a hoax. Did you hear that thing? McCarthy was was being mm-hmm. interviewed and he was asked yes. about whether or not uh, <laughs> he thought we had any problem with the uh, documents being stored in the in a bathroom. Mm-hmm. And then he, his response, well, I, you know, I, I, here's why I don't have a problem, because there's a lock on it. Yeah. Which is the stupidest thing. It's like, yeah, bathrooms have a lock on the inside. No, what he, what he said, though, somebody said, what do you think of the bathroom? And he said, well, do you think it's good for them to be in a garage with a thin little door? At least a, and he goes, at least a bathroom you can lock. Mm. Like number one. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, most of the time the bathroom isn't locked. Because remember, you lock it from the inside. Yeah, that's what Dan just said. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, uh, I sometimes think about the spies in the rest of the world. They must just think Americans are fucking idiots. <laughs> like all these, you know, we watch these spy shows and, you know, these Americans are always like these top intelligence, you know, CIA, FBI. <laughs> really, it's, if you want, hey, if you want the nuclear codes, just look in fucking Mar-a-Lago. That's where they are. Mm-hmm. There's they're in some storage bin or on the bathroom floor. A bathroom floor, which is, uh, of course, uh, there's lots of water in a bathroom. And, you know, yes. the documents generally are paper. Those go together mm-hmm. as if you're, yeah. you know, storing documents. But yeah. as this adventure unfolds, too, fellas, just think about the judge. We may be witness not only to oh, yeah. a slimy orange con man becoming president again, but being aided by a judge, a federal judge in Florida, like doing what she can. To run out the clock. Oh, yeah. And, well, and she remember, she was the one. He appointed her. And she, when at the yeah. beginning of this last year, not to get too mm-hmm. deep into it, but she appointed a special master to oversee it. And that was, that was uh, turned down because it was considered uh, inappropriate for this trial. So that's what this is going to be. There's going to be a bunch of, you know, uh, you know the whole thing's such a mess. Anyway, uh, listen, guys. Have a great day. 
You're both nice people. Dan. We'll try. Dan, when are you going to Stratford? Stratford. Uh, going to Stratford tomorrow. Ooh. Big yeah. adventure. Big uh, Stratford adventure, yeah. No, oh, no, oh that's right. You're going to play a newscaster in Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that. I had no idea that Hamlet had. Well, to be yeah. or not to be. That's our yeah. top story. <clears throat> so does Spamalot and Rent. <laughs> that's right. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm Dan Duran. And now all the Macbeth news. <laughs> um, anyways, Dan Duran, enjoy your time. But safe travels. Oh, thank you. Thank so, you. Will you be with us uh, tomorrow? I don't know yet. This is going to work out the schedule of uh, my departure. All right, buddy. Let us know. Everyone well, don't want to go until after uh, rush hour. Well, that's true. I'm sorry. That's, okay, so maybe yeah, I'll start the show. Yeah, you, you know, listen. What? Why let do you us, want to be on the 401 or <laughs> let's let, let You let us know so we can let the fans know, okay? Okay. Right. This episode of Hubble and Fred was brought to you by Architect Outdoor Living, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, Bodog, Air Adventures, EVNet.ca, Palma Pasta, and our newest sponsor, Stretch Lab Toronto, helping you improve posture and relaxation and decreasing your stress. As mentioned, we read all of our emails. That Thursday email show coming up, Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Liking, subscribing, that helps us out. Writing a review does as well, and giving us all the hearts and stars that you can. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, store your sensitive documents in a bathroom, empty your pool into a computer room, and go to Florida and get indicted. Enjoy every goddamn day. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Where's that?